Uh, my name is Jack Gonzalez and lead pastor here. Uh, and like I mentioned today, we're going to continue on with our series. Before we do that, I'm going to read to you our central passage that we have for this message series. Um, and it is found here in the book of Mark chapter 10 and in verse 27. It says this, Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it's impossible, but not with God. Everything is possible with God. And now Jesus and the disciples, they're having a conversation and the disciples ask Jesus about salvation and they're having this conversation and Jesus says, listen, humanly speaking, it's impossible. It cannot be done, but with God, everything is possible. And so while he's speaking to this area, he's also helping them to understand who he is and what he can do. See, here's the truth here this morning. You may have tried everything you could possibly do to fix the situation, to overcome how things have been. And you could run around the mountain and run around the mountain and run around the mountain and come back to the same spot and realize you have not moved an inch. Because humanly, it's not possible. But with God, all things are possible. See, He is the way maker. Let's take a moment to pray over the word. We're going to jump into it today. I'm excited. God is good. Heavenly Father, we thank you. God, I pray that you would bring your word alive. I pray, God, that as our hearts were ready, you would speak to us, encourage us, strengthen us, convict us, challenge us, God. Feed our souls, nourish our souls with your word. Thank you, God, because today is the day you've made. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. Have you ever thought to yourself, I shouldn't be alive? Have you ever had a thought like that? Maybe you've been in a horrific situation. Maybe you grew up in an environment that you just felt like was really dangerous. Or maybe you've had a life health issue where for whatever the reason was, you felt like, wow, I shouldn't even be alive. There's been so many moments in my life that I've been through one thing after another, one thing after another, and I've been in this place and wondered. I've even questioned. I said, God, why did you save me? What is the purpose? What is it that you're trying to do? God, why am I here? Why have I experienced the protection of God? And I think the Bible illustrates it well in the story of a young man named Daniel. You see, this young man, him and his people had been conquered and captured and carried off into captivity for nearly 70 years. And as they're, they're carried off, they're carried off to, to be slaves in this foreign country with a different culture, a different language, something that they're not familiar with at all. Now, as they're there, now the whole process is about 70 years, but as they first get there, Daniel is there, they recognize him, they see him, they separate him, and for three years, he studies the language and the culture for three years. After the three years pass, he enters into the king's court of the king that conquered his people. And the king sees him, and through Daniel's life and devotion, even though he's been conquered, even though he's in captivity, he serves God faithfully. Are you following me this morning? Even in the tough trials of life, he remained faithful to the Lord. Amen. Whatever came, whatever went, whatever happened, whatever he had to endure, he remained faithful to the Lord. No one moved him away from his God. You see, this first king, his name is Nebuchadnezzar. This king comes to know God through the faithfulness and devotion of Daniel. 
eventually Nebuchadnezzar passes away and there's a new king who rises. This king doesn't serve the Lord. He comes and he goes. Here comes the next king. This is the third king. This king is from the Medes and Persia. He comes from a completely different land, conquers that area, and again, Daniel and his people are still in captivity. Well, this new king, the third king that Daniel is now serving under, he had been serving God faithfully. He recognizes that there's some wisdom in Daniel. He says, there's something about you. I'm rearranging. I'm setting up leadership. I'm putting who I'm going to put in charge of different areas, and I'm going to keep you around. In fact, I'm going to put you in charge of some things. And so there's some other guys around, and they say, listen, I don't like that the king has got this guy. You know, who is he? He's not from us. And so they go to the king. They said, we're going to set up a new law. This new law is going to be that for the next 30 days, nobody can worship any god, pray to any god, except to the king. 30 days. The king says, hey, it's a good idea. Let's do it. Let's make a law out of it. So they do. They make a law. Remember Daniel's devotion. Nobody was going to move him. This is what the Bible says in Daniel chapter 6. It says this in verse 10. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room. With its windows up toward heaven, he prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to God. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. So they went straight to the king and reminded him about his law. Did you not sign a law that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone divine or human except to you, your majesty will be thrown into the den of lions? Yes, the king replied, that decision stands. It is an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. You see, this official law had been signed. Daniel had this high position, but that didn't matter. In verse 16, it says this, So at last the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, May your God whom you serve so faithfully rescue you. You see, he says this statement. It's not that he believed in God. It's not that he believed in the power of God. Yet he had a front row seat to see how he served him faithfully. He didn't believe that God can save him. He didn't believe in this God. But he believed in the faithfulness of Daniel. He says this in verse 17. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. I want you to imagine this for a moment. A big stone is placed over the entrance, almost foreshadowing what would happen with Jesus as a stone is placed on the tomb of Jesus. This stone, this tome, this, this stone is placed in front of the den so that Daniel cannot come out. He is thrown into the den of lions. The king's seal is placed. The, the noble's seal is placed so that there would be proof. There would be evidence that there would be no way humanly possible that Daniel could come out of this. But again, I want to remind us this morning that what might seem humanly impossible is possible with God. Come on, somebody. The king's seal. If it was impossible with man, that does not hinder the ability of God. 
I don't know what it is today. I believe that today is a divine appointment just for you. I believe that God wants to speak to you. He wants to encourage you. He wants to release his protection over your life. Maybe there's been some words that have been said to you. Maybe there's a bully. Maybe there's those people. Maybe there's those things. Maybe you've been concerned about your heart. And you feel like your heart is, it, it, God, would you just protect my heart? Maybe you've been feeling some demonic attacks in your life, in your family, in your home. Maybe there's been some areas there. Daniel experienced the protection of God. So our question here for us this morning is simply this, is what hinders us from experiencing the protection of God? What hinders us? Listen, there's just a couple of points that I want to share with you today. And, and, and the first thing is this, is the truth is, brothers and sisters, is that we just don't always see him as protector. We, we don't always view God that way. Most of the time we view him as creator, designer. We view him as father, heavenly father. We view him as, as savior and the work that he did for us on the cross and saving our souls. And we view him as that way, but we don't always view him as protector. And if we're being honest, the idea of God being a protector gets dismissed because, well, because we see so many bad things happen in the world. So many things happen. And some part of us, even though we love the Lord, some part of us questions that if God is good, then, then why do these bad things happen? And we question that. Some part of us wonders that if, if he is good, then why does that happen to that child or that family or that situation? Why does that happen? But family, we've talked about this. The Bible continues to speak to the truth, speak to the matter, unveil his principles and his knowledge. See, it's never been because God is not good. It is simply because evil and sin exist. It, 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 it happens because of the choices of humanity. And I want to be clear about this. It's, uh, you know, it's not, you know, I'm a Christian, and so, you know, nothing bad is ever going to happen to me. It's, it's the simple truth that God can see me through any situation. Come on, somebody. God, God can see me through because the Bible says that Daniel had this amazing devotion to God. Yet he was accused, he was arrested, he was convicted, he was sentenced, he was found guilty. And yet he remained this devotion to God and he was already in captivity. He was already away from his home, his land, his culture, his people. The Bible says this in verse 16a, verse 6 and 16a, it says this, So at last the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and to thrown into the den of lions. The king gave an order. Did he deserve this sentence? Absolutely not. He didn't. But evil and sin put in the world, put him in this predicament. There's some things in life, brothers and sisters, that you're just going to go through. There's going to be some things that are completely unfair, but they're going to happen in life. I want you to see what happens next. In, in, in verse 10, it says this, But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room. 
You see, Daniel never stopped seeing God as protector. He never took his eyes off the fact that God can intervene, that God can step in, that God can make a way. He didn't go to the king and complain. He didn't go and call his friends, yo, this is what's going on. He went home and got on his knees. One of the most powerful positions that we can have in life is right here. Sometimes we think it's like this. Sometimes we think it's like this. One of the most powerful positions we can have in life is this. Daniel didn't run off and say that's unfair. He didn't go off and, and do this. He got on his knees before the Lord. He never stopped believing that God can intervene, that God can step in, that God can transform, that God can make a way when there seems no way. There's power in prayer. In verse 11, it says this, Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found, oh, and found him uh, praying and asking for God's help. Can you imagine his nerve asking God for help? Come on, Daniel, God's busy. That's not how it works. He always saw God as protector. He, he had, it, and when you see God this way, and I want to tell you this, when you see God that way, you live that way. There's a confidence about you. God has got me. God is strong. I desired on him. I find a peace in him, but I'm protected by God. You see, God reveals himself in the Bible as a protector, and very specifically, he reveals himself as a shield. Now, he uses this Hebrew word, magin, uh, magin, and we see it throughout Scripture. I'm only going to give you three examples, but there's many more with this word. As God reveals himself to the people as a shield. Now, in the ancient Near East, warriors used two kinds of shields. One was this round shield, and this round shield would be more for like sword fight, combat, and you kind of, mm, 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 you block with the shield. You guys get me, I'm not experienced in this warfare but he did that there was a second kind of shield the second kind of shield was the long one that covered the whole body and it was for the men on the front line and as the enemy was firing the arrows that shield would cover them protect them from the fiery arrows of the enemy again here's this hebrew word magan and i could be totally butchering that but there's the word and god reveals himself as a shield in genesis chapter 15 verse 1 it says this do not be afraid abram i am your what shield it's this hebrew word magan your very great reward we see the hebrew word again in, in deuteronomy chapter 33 verse 29b it says this he is your shields he he God, our heaven, he is your shield and helper and your glorious sword. In Psalms 3, verse 3, it says, But you, Lord, are a shield around me. My glory, the one who lifts my head high. God reveals himself as a shield in your life. The problem is, brothers and sisters, sometimes we just don't see God that way. We don't see him as a shield in our life. We don't see him as the first line of defense. We don't see him as, as the shield that's blocking blows or that's surrounding us so that the enemy cannot touch us. But God reveals himself to us as a shield. 
He reveals himself as a shield. And we need to begin to and continue to see God as a protector because this is part of who he is. You see, what hinders us from experiencing God as a protector? The first, we don't see him as a protector. And secondly, secondly, the truth is our trust is sometimes in ourselves. Our trust is sometimes in ourselves. Uh, you know, for, uh, for some reason, we start drinking the Kool-Aid that we don't need anybody else. I don't need anybody. I got this all by myself. I don't need anybody. I just tell myself that if I, if I dig in my heels, if I just stand strong, if I look in the mirror and tell myself, I got this, I got this, I'm going to do it, I'm going to make it happen, I'm going to overcome, I'm going to make a way, I'm going to tap into my resources, I can do this, I don't need anybody. If I watch all the Rocky movies, if I watch all the Rambo movies, I'm going to be all right. If it's just eye of the tiger, I'm going to make it. And in that place of pushing everybody off, here's what often happens. God does not become our first go-to. We'll try everything that we want to do, and we'll circle the mountain, and we've tried, and we've tried, and we come back, just as I told you before, and we're at that place, and we haven't moved an inch. Things haven't gotten better at all. I'm still dealing with the same attacks in my life. It's like this things of this relationship, these people, and my heart. I'm so worried about my heart and the demonic attacks and my past, and I'm worried about my past. It keeps popping up. I thought I was done with it, and I'm still dealing with this thing, and I, and I feel like I have no protection in my life, but God, I love I love you. Oh God, I love you. And at some point, finally, because it's not that we don't love God, finally we go to Him. And we should have went there first. We should have went there first. The Bible is clear in describing Daniel's actions again in verse 10. We're going to look at verse 10 again. It says this, but when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went and knelt down. And what does it say? As usual. Somebody say as usual. In his upstairs room with its windows open towards Jerusalem, he prayed three times a day just as he had what? Always done. Giving thanks to his God. You see, this was a common practice for him. Something happens, I get on my knees. So, so, something just went down. Oh, my goodness, I can't believe this just happened. What am I going to do? I, I don't know how to feel about this. I'm feeling some type of way about this. You know, you know what? Bam, right here. It, you know what? Ex excuse me. I, I got to go spend time with the Lord. I, I, this just happened in my life. I need, I need time alone with my God. You feel attacked by that person or those people? Go to God. You feel attacked spiritually? Go to God. You feel like your heart needs protecting? Go to God. Family, trust him above all. In Proverbs chapter 3 and verses 5 and 6, it says this, and I love this promise. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, all of it, not half of your heart, with all of your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. Sometimes, guys, this thing will, will, will just run some circles, and we'll try and, and figure it out, and it'll take us for a loop, and it'll take us for a loop. And, and, and the Bible says, i, I got to trust God with all my heart and not lean not on my own understanding. Come on, somebody. Right, right, right here. It says this, in all your ways... Submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. 
See, your path might have been all over the place. You're here, then you're here, then you're here, then you just turned all the way around, and you feel like you're a yo-yo in some ways. He'll make your path straight, but you have to trust him with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. He will make your paths straight. Go to God. In Psalms 56 and verses 3 and 4, it says this, But when I am afraid, someone say afraid. afraid. Someone say fear. fear. Someone say, let's be honest. The truth is, brothers and sisters, there are fears. The truth is, there are some things that we don't talk a whole lot about, but we've been dealing with. We've been feeling some kind of way about that situation and what's happened and what I'm concerned with. The psalmist says, but when I am afraid, being honest, being vulnerable, being real. Come on, somebody. Being real. Keeping it 100. But when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. I praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God. So why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? That doesn't mean I walk like this. It means that I, I can confidently come to the throne of grace. It means that I can come here. I haven't worried about these other hairs, but Lord, the truth is, God, I've been feeling some kind of way. Those words have hurt, and they've been said, and it's happened. God, the truth is, I've been feeling these just demonic attacks. I've been feeling these spiritual attacks just all over. I've just been feeling attacked. God, the truth is, Lord, my past just keeps popping up, and, and, and people remind me, and it's just thoughts in my head and memories, and just kind of this loop is just happening. God, I need your protection. God, I've been so worried about my heart and this situation. And God, I just need your protection. You know, I've been hurt before, God, but I can't be hurt again. God, I just, would you protect me? Your word says, God, that you're, you reveal yourself to us as a shield that comes all the way around me. God, I need that shield now. I need that protection now. God, I need you. 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 I come before the Lord. Family, trust God. Make it your practice. What hinders us from experiencing God as a protector? Ourselves. How we view Him and how we view ourselves. How we trust Him. So I've asked myself the question, why has God saved me? As a young child, the doctors told my parents that I wasn't going to live. I wasn't going to make it. Enjoy the time with your son because it's not going to be very long. I almost drowned in Folsom Lake as a young adult. I was in a horrific car accident that looked like something from Hollywood or Final Destiny or something. I, I, I was in a foreign country and I experienced something that was life-threatening. I didn't think I would ever make it home again. Why did God save me? Why have I experienced the protection of God? See, we don't always understand that when God gets the glory, what that does for someone else, what that does for me. And like I mentioned earlier, I believe that today is a divine appointment for you, that if your heart, your mind is open to what God's wanting to do, he's wanting to heal and speak and strengthen and protect a particular area in your life 
that maybe you haven't been honest about. Maybe there's a sin in your life and you're asking God to protect you because you don't want that anymore. Maybe there's that error. You know what it is. But I do believe the Holy Spirit is working and I do believe His Word is alive and He's wanting to do something in you today, now, now. You're watching online. This is for you. This is for you. God wants you to put your trust in Him. He wants you to see Him for who He is. You see, I told you at the beginning that Daniel and his people had been conquered, held in captivity for nearly 70 years. And even in captivity, Daniel remained faithful to God. He served God. He belonged to God. And this third king, who didn't who didn't know God, who didn't worship God, but saw the faithfulness, the trust, the devotion of Daniel toward him, is the very king that eventually, after 70 years, lets the people go back home to rebuild their lives and their country. It was their faithfulness, their devotion. He had a front row seat to see someone trust God. So I'm wondering if you'll trust God. I'm wondering if you'll allow him to stand in the gap in that area of your life. I'm wondering if you'll allow him to be a shield in your life to protect you from the fiery arrows of the enemy that wants to destroy that walk that you're building on, that you're building on, and you're trying to walk, and you're trying to grow in Christ. You're trying to grow in Christ. And I'm wondering if you'll allow him to be your shield, to break the chains of the past, to be able to walk into your future, and to trust him, to grow in him, to worship his name. God wants to get the glory in your life. We have to trust Him before something happens, while it's happening, and after something happens. I need to see Him as the way maker who protects. I'm going to close this way. It's a little bit different than maybe we've closed before. but I'm going to read a psalm, Psalms 23, verses 1 through 6. And I want us to read it together out loud. We're just going to read the scriptures and we're going to finish, okay? And so this is your participation here online. If you're watching, get ready to read, gather your family. I want you to read Psalms 23 with us, okay? Are you ready for this? This is how we're going to close today's service and, and we're going to respond to the word of the Lord. It says this in Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Yes. That is who he is, powerful, and he can do it in your life. So here's my challenge for you. Here's my challenge. It's simply, simply this. Be open with God about what you need protection from. 
Be honest with him. Talk to God. Share your heart. Be honest with him. Maybe it's your heart. Maybe it's of that person or people or words or a situation, spiritual attacks, old memories, a past. And then trust his way. Trust his way. You can't just have a moment, say it, and then walk away and not trust him. You have to trust him. With all of your heart, and then lean not on your own understanding. Trust him. What seems impossible for humanity is not impossible for God. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for this service. We thank you for this opportunity. God, right here is our altar before you. God, would you absolutely move amongst us? God, would you just heal and strengthen when we begin to view you for who you are? God, I pray just right now, right now in the name of Jesus, that we would begin to hand over trust of our life. God, we'd begin to hand over the steering wheel of our life, God. We'd begin to hand over, God, God, those concerns, those worries. God, we'd hand over our strengths. We'd hand over our weaknesses, God. We'd hand over our preferences. We'd hand over our desires, God. We would lay them at your feet. Oh, Heavenly Father, we come before you. Just make an altar right where you're at. Talk with the Lord. Thank you so much. And, and anybody else? That God bless you. We want to help you stay strong on that journey. Father, I just pray you see the hands that have raised, God. There is something you're wanting to do in each and every one of them, God. I pray, God, that today they'd come to this place of confession and, and your, they would experience your mercy and grace over their life. Forgive them. And I pray, God, they would come to a path where they walk straight with you, Lord. They would trust you. So, Father, do something amazing right now in the name of Jesus. We just worship you.